A few years ago, I read a little book that had just been published with the somewhat unusual title of The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, How to Free Yourself and Your Family from a Lifetime of Clutter. This slim volume was written by Swedish artist and author Margareta Magnusson, who describes herself as being somewhere between the ages of 80 and 100. I was interested in her book because I had lived in Sweden for several years and had heard about the Swedish decluttering practice of death cleaning, or dødstedning, de meaning death, and stedning meaning cleaning. It's a process of sorting through and clearing out unnecessary belongings and putting things in order as a lifelong practice rather than a one-time ordeal. It's an instruction manual on how to make the process of dealing with possessions uplifting rather than overwhelming. Ms. Magnuson suggests which possessions you can easily get rid of. Unworn clothes, unwanted gifts, more coffee cups than you'd ever use, <laughs> and which you might want to keep. Special photographs, a few of your children's art projects, perhaps some love letters. This ongoing practice of death cleaning is aimed at helping us to better manage our possessions rather than have our possessions manage us. It's a way of turning one's life upside down, of being countercultural in 21st century possession-crazed America. It's also a way of decluttering the mind and the heart, of freeing oneself to truly be oneself rather than merely a reflection of what one owns. The Anne Arundel County Public Library System has several hard copies of this book and also makes it available for borrowing as an audiobook and an ebook. I checked. And Old Fox Books and Coffee House, just a few steps away on Maryland Avenue, confirmed that they can order copies. I commend this slim volume to anyone who is anxious about just how much stuff there is at home, who wonders just what to do with it all, who doesn't know where to even begin but who also senses that too many possessions are becoming a barrier to living the life one feels called by God to live. I thought about that book and my own process of trying to practice Swedish death cleaning, both physically and spiritually, and to turn things upside down when I read the gospel passage appointed for today. Today's gospel is certainly an upside-down gospel because Jesus is turning his followers' lives upside down. 
He gets their attention by talking about something very sensitive and precious, possessions. It's an uncomfortable gospel at first glance, and it's neither the first nor the last time in Scripture that Jesus has strong words about possessions. For example, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we hear versions of a similar story, that of a man kneeling before Jesus and asking him how to inherit eternal life. Jesus listens and instructs him to keep all of the commandments, to which the man responds that he has faithfully done so since his youth. So Jesus also tells him to sell his possessions, give the money to the poor, and then follow him. And as sincere as that man is, he departs dejected because he owns a lot of stuff, and it seems that he just can't give it up. We feel for that man, just as we feel for the person in the crowd in today's gospel passage from Luke. But these stories also make us uncomfortable. We too want to be Jesus' followers, but look at the stuff we have, far more probably than these people who lived two millennia ago could ever imagine. And to be perfectly honest, how many of us could say that we've kept all the commandments since our youth? But remember, possessions are not only objects, but also our attitudes, our values, our prejudices. If we focus only on Jesus' draconian language in this parable, we may be looking only inward and not outward towards our community. Our focus in unpacking this passage and interpreting its meaning in our own lives can be in understanding truly the image from the parable Jesus recounts of a man with so much grain and so many other possessions that he decides to build a bigger barn. God's response to his choice is harsh. In the biblical translation we just heard, it's, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Some of you may be familiar with an idiomatic translation of the Bible into contemporary language entitled The Message. Published about 20 years ago, it was the work of the Reverend Eugene Peterson, an American Presbyterian minister, scholar, theologian, author, professor, and poet. The translation in the message of this portion of Luke's gospel is much more direct and to the point 
And again, I quote, Just then, God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die, and your barn full of goods? Who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Tonight you die. We need to remember that Jesus sometimes used difficult, dramatic imagery to get his point across. Remember in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus said, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off? Today, Jesus seems to be saying in this parable, get rid of everything you have or you're doomed. And a literal reading of the gospel would make us think so. But that's not how we need to read it. If we look for deeper meaning beyond the literal, here's what I believe we find at the core of Jesus' teaching. Jesus is telling us that we need to find what it is in us that's a stumbling block, a detriment to our living fully as beloved children of God. And then, do something about it. So, if we do have many material possessions, too many, We may need to see how we can better use them to help those less fortunate than ourselves. Instead of building a larger barn, we may need to downsize to a storage shed using the system of Swedish death cleaning, perhaps. Or if we hold on to attitudes or prejudices that are self-righteous, and exclude others, then we need to repent and change our ways. Now, during the long green season of ordinary time after Pentecost, not just during the penitential season of Lent. And if we've become so wrapped up in our own wants that we're no longer careful about our world or its people, then we need to look again at our call as Christians to stewardship of God's creation. And we need to do all of these things, both as individuals and as a faith community, St. Anne's. It takes prayer, discernment, honesty, and a serious decision to want to live as a people of God, to commit ourselves to doing our part to build the kingdom of God right here, right now, in our corner of Annapolis, to expand the circle. If we're really serious about this re-examination, And we should be if we're going to call ourselves people of God. Then we'll find it to be a challenge, yes, but one that has the greatest of all rewards, the inheritance of God's kingdom. But it is a challenge, 
Jesus tells us throughout the Gospels that he came to serve, not to be served. For Jesus and so for us, his followers, ministry is to be a servant ministry. Our lives should strive to be lives of service to each other, and many times that means going beyond ourselves, letting go of what we want in order to reach out to others. But it also means that when we're the ones in need, others in the community will reach out to us. That is the wonderful thing about being part of a community of faith. And everyone should be held in love by such a community. No one should be left out. So if we do indeed take this gospel passage from Luke seriously, it just might really turn our lives upside down. Yes, Jesus is calling us to get rid of the stumbling blocks in our lives. And he lets us know that he understands it's often not easy to get rid of those stumbling blocks. And that deciding to try sometimes leads to our own individual Golgothas. But he also lets us know that if we do, he promises a reward many times greater than what we've been clinging to. We have a choice. That's both the blessing and the challenge of God's gift to us of free will. When Jesus is asked in today's gospel to instruct one brother to divide the family inheritance with a sibling, his response is, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? Free will is both liberating and terrifying. It's an awesome responsibility. One way to exercise our God-given free will can involve patting ourselves on the back and saying, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. We can ignore Jesus' entreaties, focusing our energies instead on the architectural plans for that new barn we want to build. Or we can get on with the work of really living as God's people, of waking up every morning and praying for the strength and the courage to be Jesus' hands and feet and heart in our wounded world. We can pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we embark on a new day of a lifelong mission of material and spiritual deadening. It's our choice. Let us choose wisely. Amen.